I'm a huge believer in peer learning. And I think that that's actually the real secret to why an accelerator is different than just kind of taking a check from someone mm -hmm. is that peer experience is unparalleled and it's just very hard to replicate in other situations, but it's so strong. And yeah. so your cohort members like really become your family and your lifeline. Jenny, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to do this. For everyone joining us, Jenny Fielding joins us on the podcast today. Jenny's built an incredible career working across tech and media and finance at places like JP Morgan, the BBC, Techstars, not to mention being a two-time entrepreneur herself and a junk professor at Columbia University. Currently, Jenny works as the GP at The Fund, a global venture firm of 400 plus founders and operators investing in pre-seed businesses where she mentors hundreds of founders around the world. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm really excited to jump in. Let's, let's start with your entrepreneurial days. You've, you've built many things in your career. Talk a little bit about what some of those were and kind of how you got started. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Really excited to, to join you today. Like many founders, I consider myself a typical empath, meaning that I was really, you know, building to solve a problem that I personally had. And so, you know, I was working at a fancy job at JP Morgan and I saw this thing in the world that wasn't working. And in my case, it was, you know, 2007, it was making international phone calls from your mobile phone, mm. which there was a lot of friction and a lot of cost involved. And so just started tinkering kind of nights and weekends on how to make a better experience. And so out of that, became a founder and I didn't even know it, right? Because in 2007, there was not very many startups in New York. There was like no startups. There were women building companies. There was like no, no startups. So, you know, <laughs> it was it was kind of just a, a project. And at that time, there really weren't kind of mentors and accelerators and a lot of people helping. That just wasn't the norm. Coupled with the fact that most of my friends were working at Goldman Sachs and at BCG. And so like the, my entrepreneurial community was, was pretty lacking. But I had this interest internal drive to solve something that I thought was, was wrong in the world. And that's kind of been my thread, I think, throughout my career is like seeing things that just weren't right and wanting to, you know, step in with a different type of solution. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about sort of what you look for in founders then, if, that, if that's true for you, you know, do you look for founders that, you know, I think Lightspeed calls it founder market fit, right? Like, do you look for founders that are solving a pain point that they themselves have experienced or or is that only true for you? It doesn't need to be true for your portfolio. How do, how do you think about that? I mean, there've been some incredible companies built where founders are just been, you know, maybe coming out of MBA programs and seeing a white space and being very clinical about it. I wouldn't say that those are the founders that I gravitate towards, probably mm -hmm. based on my own experiences, but really founders that have a unique connection to the problem set. I think is the typical empath founder, which I'm, I'm definitely drawn to. I think there's other founder archetypes and I've spent, you know, a bunch of time thinking through my portfolio and trying to have pattern recognition and think about what are the other archetypes, but the empath is one that's uh, near and dear to my heart for sure. Talk about some of the mentor mentee relationships you've built and how those either do or don't transpose into relationships from an investing perspective. You know, how, how often does something start in the whiteboard and the, hey, Jenny, I have a question phase and then move to the get on their cap table phase. 
Yeah. I mean, at Techstars, I really learned that, you know, being a, a part of a community is a great way to not just get deal flow, but like get to know people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've spent a lot of time, especially in the New York ecosystem, you know, trying to be a presence that people feel comfortable kind of approaching, spending time with and, and really getting to know. And so, you know, have built that over the last like seven, eight years. And so I love meeting founders that have had, you know, previous iterations of their company, or maybe, you know, they were working, you know, full time, but thinking about something and I met them at a startup weekend or really just kind of, you know, being part of what's happening in an ecosystem is a great way to, to get to know people. And so I've often invested in companies that, you know, I've recently met and ones that I've had long histories with. And I've invested in companies twice, right? So some of my most successful investments have been founders that have started other companies that I've invested in that haven't worked out, but these were incredible founders and I wanted to support their next thing, right? And so, you know, we all have to acknowledge that so much of um, startups is about luck um, Mm -hmm. and timing, right? And, you know, kind of markets being ready. And so sometimes those things don't line up. But I'm super excited to follow the trajectory of, of those founders and, you know, have yeah. many examples in my portfolio of founders, you know, where there's just been that kind of history. Yeah. would love to get a little tactical on some of your community building efforts. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot of people that talk about building community. There's not that many people that actually build community. And so <laughs> if there's certain things you've learned over those years, you know, helping people just get to you softly, get to you with empathy, you know, trust you. What are, what are some of the things that you'd share with our listeners on kind of how to build community authentically? Yeah, well, the thing that really drew me to Techstars and, and the reason that I spent so many years was this ethos around Give First, which is really around, you know, put yourself out there, but don't expect anything in return. And I yeah. feel like, you know, as, as a society or even, you know, the tech ecosystem, you know, can get really transactional, right? Like, you know, it's about what I'm going to do for you, what you're going to do for me. And so if you kind of, you know, suspend that, (laughs) that premise and really just put it out there of like, Hey, I'm going to help, you know, all these other great things like seem to happen. And so whether it is volunteering for a start, I've hosted many startup weekends. Those are weekend boot camps where people come together and they work on projects together, kind of in the hopes of, of potentially building something, you know, bigger. I've hosted many of those and I've just like given my time and my energy to the ecosystem. And I think they're kind of small things that, that you can do. Mentoring is also just a, a great way to roll up your sleeves. And sometimes I've found when I was running Techstars that some of the venture capitalists that would come in, they were very much focused on, could they find a deal to invest in? And I think that that's just the mindset that that I try to avoid, right? It's like, if you're there to mentor, you're there to really support and give feedback and maybe open your network to this group of founders. And as opposed to like, I'm there just to find a deal I want to invest mm-hmm. in. If that happens, that's beautiful, right? But really thinking about kind of longer term relationships, I think is is really the key to community building. Yeah. That's great. Speaking of a community, you've sort of alluded to it a little bit. You you spent a ton of time at Techstars and it's a, an incredible organization that has grown, you know, globally and 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 scaled phenomenally. What what's something that Techstars teaches founders that every founder should should know regardless of whether they get through Techstars or not? Well, I think the the fun thing or the funny thing about Techstars is that people come into the program and they think that it's about content, but it's really about community. And so, you know, there's incredible content, there's great mentors, there's lots of resources, but 
the real thing that you can unlock in a program, whether it's a Techstars program, OIC program, or many other great programs is really cohort-based learning. And that's community with the other cohort members. And so founders that went through my programs at the end, they'd be like, yeah, like the cash was nice and the, you know, and the resources Slides were great, were great. The, the AWS credits and like, oh, it was so cool that you had the founders of this company and that company come in. But actually the fact that I met, you know, some of my best friends now sure. who went through this shared experience. And so I'm a huge believer in peer learning. And I think that that's actually the real secret to why an accelerator is different than just kind of taking a check from someone mm -hmm. is that peer experience is unparalleled and it's just very hard to replicate in other situations, but it's so strong. And yeah. so your cohort members like really become your family and your lifeline. And it's, it's hard to tell that to people, but when they go through it, then they understand it. Yeah. You know, there's something about building alongside other people that are, you know, early. I mean, there's so much imposter syndrome that lives at that stage of a business. You're somewhere between two to five people trying to solve a massive problem with limited capital. And I think getting the chance to look some other people in the eye and kind of cross the bridge with them is is pretty powerful. And as you mentioned, those programs really help facilitate that. It doesn't surprise me at all. As a founder, you're so inward looking because you have to be, right? I yeah. mean, there's just, you know, fires every moment. And so I think what these cohorts can do is like take Zoom out, you know, at Techstars, I would have a weekly Monday morning where everyone, you know, all the CEOs would go around and present their KPIs and their metrics, right? And that's, you know, a moment where, you know, you're very vulnerable. And so that yeah. vulnerability leads to these kind of incredible bonds between people because you're really showing, you know, what's, what's happening under the hood, which isn't always up and to the right. And so at those meetings, I mean, we've had people like start crying. We've had people like literally been like, okay, like let's all support this company. Like what can we do? And so it's just, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, how communities can come together and support one of their own. But you have to you have to buy into that and you have to develop those bonds. They don't just happen, right? And so yeah. by making yourself vulnerable, by building transparently and in community, you really have that opportunity. And, and that's what I think is is so special about you know any type of cohort-based uh, learning. And you know, you and I are experiencing that through um, through the Kaufman Fellowship. And so I always I like to put myself in those situations where you know my peers really become my support system. Yeah, that's great. Shout out to Jeff and the, and the entire Kaufman team. We're looking forward to seeing everyone soon. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Like talk about community building now that you're on the GP side. You know, are you finding ways to build community with other investors? Are, are there things in particular that are the same or different about building community as a fund manager, as opposed to being an operator? Talk, talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah. Well, what's fun about the fund that I've been building is I started building it while I had a full-time job. And so that gave me kind of the agency to really lean back and say like, okay, what do I feel like is working in venture? And what are the things that I feel like there could be some innovation around? And so we actually call the fund Community Powered Venture Capital, because when we started in 2018, like we went to our community who are other founders and operators, we started in New York. And so it was just New York based. And we said, what if we collaboratively pooled our deal flow, we pooled our expertise and our mentorship. And so we really kind of created something that felt like almost like an angel community, but we had the benefit of a fund. So we have governance and we have quick decision-making and we have, you know, a small group of people that um, make the investment decisions. So we tried to marry what we thought 
worked in venture capital with what worked in angel investing into something that we called comically called the fund. And we were trying to make fun of ourselves because 2018 seemed like everyone was starting a fund. So we're like, we'll just be the fund. It's a funny name that that kind of took, took hold, but really it was based on our communities. So that was our first fund, kind of our proof of concept fund. Our second fund was interesting how that started to come together is we started getting pull from founders and operators around the world who were saying, hey, we heard what you guys did in New York. This by founder for founder community is really interesting. I think that would work here, fill in the blank, right, location. And so at some point, we just couldn't ignore these, these emails. From, from folks, from founders globally. And so we were able to, um, through a pretty innovative uh, structure, kind of create these nodes or, or activate these nodes really around the world, founder and operator communities that are really looking and supporting local entrepreneurs. And so now we've got these nodes in probably 12 locations around the world and our fund is, is truly global. But we wouldn't have been able to do that as two people sitting in New York City without power of these networks. Yeah. That's great. Speaking of another community that you spend some time in, talk about being a professor. Talk about being, uh, you know, spending time at Columbia and and what just what that what that's been as a as a piece of your your broader puzzle. Yeah. So when I was tapped to to come help out at Columbia. I was excited because I felt like they should be doing more in the entrepreneurial ecosystem compared to some of the other universities. I thought maybe we were falling a little behind, but I was a little bit nervous, a little bit of imposter syndrome, but also thought, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm running a fund, like I don't have a lot of time. So I was a little bit worried about it, but I was really excited with the opportunity of teaching undergrads. So I was an undergrad there and it felt like many of my friends, many of my classmates, you know, we all kind of got marched off to very traditional jobs. And this was obviously a long time ago, but fast forward, you know, all these years and it still felt like the kids were being tracked into going very traditional. And that really annoyed me because there's so many, you know, cool opportunities and whether you start a company or you work for an early stage company, or even if you go work for Google, you don't have to go work at Goldman Sachs, right? You don't yeah. have to, you know, work at McKinsey. And so just kind of broadening the horizon seemed exciting to me. So about five years ago, I started my, my first class. Uh, the class is called Venturing to Change the World. And it really marries the, the ideas of kind of classical themes, which the students are very familiar with, especially at a place like Columbia, where mm -hmm. there's a poor curriculum with modern concepts and ideologies around entrepreneurship and really seeing the thread between them. So we read a lot of classics and then we read a lot of, you know, <laughs> kind of modern, modern venture people and folks folks that, that you're familiar with. And we kind of create the, the narrative between them. But I will say it was really hard the first year. <laughs> I have a big class, about 80 students, and wow. it was hard. And my class is Friday mornings, and I basically couldn't go out on Thursday nights because like, I had to do all the reading and just like catch up. And fast forward five years, and I'm kind of like, what's class tomorrow? It's like I really know the material and have like, iterated on it. And like, yeah. it, it, so it's been really great. And so I really say that teaching has been one of the unexpected joys of my life. I didn't expect to love it so much, but it's been, it's been really magical for me. And so rewarding because now I see my students, like, first of all, they're starting companies and like, I'm getting the first call. So that's always exciting. Yeah. But now I see them, they're working at many of my portfolio companies and I see them in and around the ecosystem. And I always get a kick when I'm like downtown hanging out and someone's like, Professor Fielding. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. The ecosystem or the, the momentum at Columbia around entrepreneurship is, is really picking up in the last few years. And so it's fun to be a small part of that. Yeah. My, my youngest brother was a Marine for four years and then took the GI bill and is now a junior at Columbia. They have, they have an incredible uh, military and vets program. So well, tell them next fall, eventually you get in your class. the world, exactly. get on the wait list. It starts early. I love it. Um, I love it. But I will tell you a funny story about that is the first year I was teaching, they like gave us a pretty small classroom. And I thought, you know what? I think more people are going to sign up for this. And then we had like 150, you know, kids signed up. And so, you know, I think within academia, there's still for undergrads, especially the business school has like always done, you know, incredible things around entrepreneurship and many of the business schools have, but for traditional liberal arts, this is really new to them. And so I yeah. think the administrations are having to really kind of understand that these are topics that the kids are really interested in. These are not blow off classes like this. These classes are actually a lot of work and that they teach really, you know, practical, but also, you know, skill sets that are useful in, in, in the world. So, yeah, that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about your relationship with your founders, you know, the ones who are actually in your portfolio or they are there certain things like if I were to go and talk to 15 or 20 of the funds portfolio companies, what would, what would they say Jenny and the fund does for us that no one else does? Like, what are some of the things that you really try to focus on providing for your founders? Yeah. So we have a community of over 170 portfolio companies. And so when VCs run around and say like, we, you know, we provide value, we do all these things. That's really not possible in when you have a portfolio that's so big, right? If you're concentrated and you have a few and you have a few investments, that's possible. But for what we do, it's not. And it's also why we think venture capital isn't really scalable, right? So mm -hmm. a partner in a traditional fund can only sit on so many boards, right? Sure. And then that's it. So what we tried to create is again, looking, we looked, we looked at what else was going on and we said, Hey, can we do this differently? And so one of the things that we want to do differently is instead of a one-to-many model GP to founder, we created what we think is a many-to-many -many model. And so what I mean by that is it's not, you know, Jenny and my co-founder just supporting our portfolio. We've got this community of founders and operators who are all of our LPs, meaning they've given us capital and they're all also supporting the portfolio. So when we have, you know, founder dinners or we're interacting in Slack or in our CRM, it's not really, we don't really distinguish between who's a portfolio founder and who's an LP founder. We're all founders in this community. So I think that that kind of helps with the, you know, with the, with the value that we're able to provide as this many to many model. I think my superpowers when I work with founders are focused on a few things. And I'd say one of the biggest ones in helping founders zero to one is helping them tell a great story and fundraise. Yeah. And those are obviously related, but I would say I'm like on speed dial with, you know, most of my founders as they're going through those early rounds, because I'm really good at that. <laughs> and I know that I, the investor mentality and, you know, how to kind of stir the pot a little bit and, you know, sure. get, get the founders well positioned. And I really, I really love that. So being that kind of connected tissue between the founders and the investment community is something that, you know, I spend a lot of time on and is, is quite fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure you saw a lot of, you know, there's, so many companies that come out of tech stars every year that there's a bunch that just really learn how to build that FOMO and momentum. And you can take some of those tactics and hand them off to others. So that's, that's super cool that you get to do that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was lucky at tech stars. I, I got to see 
companies go, you know, my, my first investment at Techstar is a company called Latch in the connected yeah. security space. And that company went public last summer. And so to go from two guys and a prototype to a public company and see, you know, see the trajectory has been pretty amazing. And so I always say, like, I start off as kind of the mentor and, you know, I actually introduced the Latch founders to both their, their seed investors and their series A. But at some point I just become the, the cheerleader and the super, yeah. the super fan. And, and that's always a fun point when they've, they're really graduated, you know, from, left the nest, left, left the nest. So that's always a wonderful uh, moment. And it's, uh, it's great that I've been doing this enough that I've, you know, got to see a few of those, those great stories. So it's, it's pretty fun. That's awesome. Where's the world going? Where do you, where do you think in, in five years from now, you talked a little bit about the venture model and disrupting it and it changing a little bit, like where. Where do you think we are in five years from now? Or do we, do, we, do we keep riding valuations like this? Are there more big funds? Do we start to barbell? Like, just give us a little bit of your, your a, recognizing there's no right answer to this question. So I, I set you up for failure, but like, <laughs> where, do, where, where do you think we're headed in the entrepreneurial ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I think that I acutely believe that, you know, entrepreneurship is just a, a growing area, right? And so I'm, I'm bullish on tech and I'm bullish on more company creation. What I'm not so bullish on is the traditional venture model and having to kind of fit into those boxes that many of the, the big funds are and the, the people that fund those, the LPs kind of expect. And so I've been thrilled as someone who believes in distributed networks and decentralization as I'm trying to build my fund to see the rise of that. And so I love all the solo capitalists, all the micro funds. I do think that that is the future and, and a growing trend. So I hope in five years we see a few things. One is that we see people that look more like you and me running funds. And whether they're bigger or not is, is really personal choice, but that we have we have a chance to be in them. And so I think that's a, a growing trend that I'm excited about. And I think we're going to see a massive turnover. Two is that you don't necessarily see cookie cutter, that the aspiration isn't always to build you know, that fund on Sand Hill, but the aspiration is to build the fund that you want to build. And so for me, I like building small funds. It fits my model. I can be the first check-in. I can be collaborative with people like you and, and other folks um, at the early stage. And so that really suits me. And so I want to be working with limited partners, the people that, that invest in us, that really understand the diversity, right? Because there isn't one right model. So I do think that, that that's going to be exciting. So that's, yeah, kind of where I see things going. Lots of smaller funds, lots of specialization, lots of diversity across all things, and really just better access for founders. Amazing. Last one for you, Jenny. This is this has been really fun. I really appreciate you joining me. You know, you're a pre-seed investor. And so just for anyone that's out there, you know, trying to build and maybe the maybe the product's not out in market yet, maybe it's not totally ready for a seed round. Like, what's your advice to someone building a pre-seed type company right now on how to get in front of you or just how to how to do well in the in the pre-seed fundraising environment? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, again, going back to my theme, I feel like of, of this uh, podcast is like developing networks. If you're going to raise venture capital, that is not a solo activity. Like it takes a village to do that. And so 
having more connectivity to other founders and to people in the ecosystem, I think is really what helps get the momentum going. It's just, it's very hard to kind of do it alone. And so really understanding that there's a lot of people there can support to support you, but you have to be in the ecosystem. You have to be someone that's giving to other people and that's exposing yourself to really get people to want to help you. And so my advice is just get out there as much as possible, be at events, be available. If you've got something that you're really good at, you're amazing at customer acquisition, like share that with other founders, it will really go a long way. And when you need their support for introductions and the like, you're going to have that community. And so that's the ethos that I try to live by for myself. And it's been very helpful as I fundraise is just to have this kind of collaborative community who said, oh, Jenny's been, you know, has been helpful, has helped a portfolio company or just yeah. someone that I know. So that's kind of the advice that I give to, to founders. Amazing. Jenny Fielding, founder, GP at the fund. Thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's it for this episode of The Road Untraveled. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're interested in learning more, please check us out at theroaduntraveled.io. You can follow me on Twitter at bhalls1, and you can follow The Road Untraveled on Twitter at VC Perspectives. My one ask to you is to share this with someone that you think might enjoy the episode or any of the episodes that we've had. We've really enjoyed building this community and hope to continue building going forward. Hope to see you at the next episode. Thanks for listening.